this platform is, is all we have, so we're going to use it. <laughs> On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Black Lives Matter with Prague veterans Durga McBroom and Andre Chumley. Welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this very special episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend Ken Gregory as we welcome prog rock veterans Andre Chumley and Durga McBroom to discuss Black Lives Matter. episode of Progressive Palaver, we are extremely privileged to be joined by prog rock veterans Durga McBroom and Andre Chumley as they lend their voices to the Black Lives Matter movement. Durga McBroom is an actress and singer most known in the prog rock community for appearing on albums and tours by Pink Floyd and David Gilmour. She formed Blue Pearl with Youth, and she has appeared on albums by James, Billy Idol, and Dave Kersner, as well as performing with The End Pink Floyd with Guy Pratt and John Karen, as well as The Australian Pink Floyd Show and Steve Hackett. Andre Chumley performs as a solo artist under We Are Ants to Them with Electronica and Music Concrete. He is most known for his Frank Zappa alumni and tribute band, Project Object. Otherwise, professionally, you can find him as a guitar technician for the likes of Eddie Jobson, Al Demiola, Warren Haynes, Derek Trucks, John Wetton, Greg Lake, Adrian Ballou, David Torn, and Steve Howell. This episode contains a lot of information on events of historic nature and we as part of um, our experience went and did some research of our own into these events and we would strongly encourage all of the listeners of this episode to go to our Facebook page for the notes on this show where we have included a list of links for what we feel are relevant source material. And again, we encourage our listeners to go and check those out and do some additional education for yourselves. Good evening. All right. Thank Great. you both for joining. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, so we primarily discuss prog rock. We, we've been reviewing the entire Pink Floyd catalog. We've already reviewed the entire Yes catalog. This is a voice for music, but... It, it's been a really busy past few months in 2020. It's been a hell of a year. And right now, Black Lives Matter is at the forefront of my thoughts and the city where I live and with so many of my friends, and I wanted to cover it here. I was in the midst of about 100 National Guardsmen and about you know 300 protesters. If you can imagine the uh, Rocky Steps in Philadelphia, sure. where, where you know <laughs> Sylvester Stallone runs up the steps. Well, well I jog out there a few times a week 
and um, you know, I'm not that far from the Philly Art Museum. And that was the location of, of one of these protests. And, and it was pretty striking. We had a lot going on during that period, a little bit of looting and also someone selling dynamite to bomb ATM machines. So we had, I don't know, 40 or 50 explosions throughout the city over a period uh, with, with people using improvised uh, dynamite. And, and, and during that period, I, I was frazzled, but I was also inspired to use the platform of progressive palaver to go beyond the music and just talk about life in general. So <laughs> with that said, um, Andre, I noticed you um, on the Dave uh, Kersner live feeds and, and, and you didn't pull any punches. You, you expressed a lot of what you had to say during that period. And likewise, Durga, you will not uh, take any shit from anyone online. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think we've all had friends saying, you know how Facebook has those, uh, uh, you know, memory posts, you know, posted five, six years ago. I found one came up today that was from six years ago where I was getting in somebody's behind for making yeah. light of racial issues yeah. and, you know, trying to shut me down and make me not be so angry. And I said, you know, if I'm angry and you're uncomfortable, that's good. Yeah. Maybe you should sit <laughs> for a little bit more instead of telling me to be quiet. Why should I be quiet? Why do I need to suppress my very, very justifiable anger that's it. Relations in the United States, just because it makes you uncomfortable. No, it's uh, thank you. Well, so well said, and you you know I live by that, and I love it when I run into you on a thread because uh oh, <laughs> they really. And then you know, hey, and it, and it's a shame too because again, for so many people, it's turned into their discomfort. You know, and uh, I saw a great T-shirt the other day. It said something like, "If you're real uncomfortable hearing about racism, imagine living it." Yeah, something like that, and yeah. um, no. So you, you you speak truth. It's uh, sorry if it's uncomfortable. Then it, it's something to talk about. You know. You know, here's a perfect example. In the last week or ten days, I guess five men, four black men, and I think one um, brown man have been found hanging from trees. Wow! I just heard about the one in uh, in Palmdale, California. You are kidding. Five. All around the country. Five. In so lots around the country. Well, and, and I'm not, yeah, they're all being, they're all being classified as suicides. Like I mean, like a black man's gonna pick hanging himself from a tree in the middle of a park to commit suicide. Yeah, really? yeah, and and <laughs> climb climb up thirty feet and, and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's no ladder. Um, so in uh, California, a blue state, nonetheless. No, sort of a blue state. Sort of, sort of a blue state. New York State, California, there was two of them, and I don't remember where the other ones were. But people are like, oh, that's awful. Oh, so bad. And then they just keep going on with their day. Right. But remove Aunt Jemima? Yeah. That's the pearls. You're ruining my childhood. Are you right. serious? That's what you're upset about? Wow. wow. Five dead men hanging from ropes, and you're mad about Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben? Yeah. Are you serious? They are. This is, it's... This is America. It is. There's so many threads to pick up on here, but that's one of them right there. Let me just spend a second with, with, with what you just said there um, about the, the blue state California. One of the things we need to do is everyone's saying, well, wh what discussion should we have? And there's very many. And I, I, I did a post yesterday where I 
I kind of threw out just some random books, just some stuff, starting points. Like if you haven't read a few things here, if you haven't read anything from Alice Waters or, or if you haven't read uh, Malcolm X autobiography, if you haven't seen Roots or Eyes on the Prize, and that's like class number one, you know, <laughs> James Baldwin, whatever, you go down this road, Bell Hooks. So I, I said a few things, but I said, go watch this movie 13th. Yes. Be yeah, because it, um, it it covers so much ground, and it, and it really, it's a, a primer, I think, for, for all Americans, but sadly, especially white Americans, to understand that it's not like a switch got flipped and all of a sudden black people were owning businesses in 1865. No, slavery was sort of made illegal. The 13th Amendment said, hey, just lock them up and they're now prisoners again. Mm -hmm. Texas, Texas ran with the ball on that. All the states did. But Texas especially just said, well, this is fantastic. Uh, breathing while black. And you suddenly, you know, so that's one thing. So, And to your point, though, on the blue thing, I think we need to also really re recalibrate our whole thing about what's blue and what's red. You know, I live in North Carolina 13 years now, and knock on wood, I have not been hassled by the cops. I got stopped once. I was speeding, uh, and he was polite, called me sir, checked my paperwork, sent me home. Um, in New Jersey, where I lived for 30 years, I thought it was normal that every four to six weeks I would be stopped, hassled, searched, denigrated, insulted, made to think I had weapons or drugs and I'm lying about it. It just went on and on and on. And that's liberal blue New Jersey. And let's not forget that the 90s New York City, which is supposed to be the egalitarian capital of the world, that's right. where most of the shootings were of unarmed black men. Not Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, not St. Louis, Missouri. Not these. Now, I didn't just say that those are havens. There are problems in Alabama, South Carolina. Of course there are. But they don't pretend that it's different. See? Right. That, that's the, so, so, so know that about California. California is blue because Los Angeles and the Bay Area has a lot of people in it. But you go to Sacramento. You go up near Weed. You go to Orange County. You like go where this... You know, <laughs> so it, it's serious. Look, you know, they elected Reagan. They elected a lot of right-wingers. So, so California is interesting. So, yeah. Let me tell you a story about California. Um, back when my sister was 16, uh, I grew up with money because my mother was the first black female cardiologist with a private cardiology practice in the United States. Wow. We, we grew up upper middle class. Uh, and when my mother wanted to get a new Mercedes, she gave my sister her old one 450 powder blue 450 SL. Uh, and um, we lived on the beach in Malibu and uh, we were driving home. My sister was 16 and uh, I was 11. And uh, we were about to come to the, uh, the Pacific Coast Highway and the California Highway Patrol. The CHP is notoriously racist. The uh, CHP officer pulled us over and uh, my sister you know, he walked over to the window and said, roll down the window, license and registration. And she said, officer, can you please tell me what I was doing? I know I wasn't speeding. I didn't change lanes illegally. And he just flat out said, oh, I was just worse wondering how a person such as yourself would have a car like this. And we couldn't say anything. And he ultimately realized there was nothing he could charge her with or anything. Let us go. And we, as soon as he left, drove off, we burst into tears because it was so humiliating. 
dehumanizing. And this is in Malibu, California. Liberal capital of the world, supposedly. Mm. Yeah, that's not the only time I've had a situation like that happen. They don't like seeing black people driving cars nicer than they can afford. I'll tell yep. you that. You know, and this is still, Durga, I'm so sorry, you, you know, but this is what we've gone through. We just don't talk about it. People, that's the first thing people realize. They think, how come black people are talking about all these experiences? You MFer. Because we just, we would only, we'd talk about nothing else if, if, we, if we bothered. We have been talking about it. Well, that's the other thing. And, and this is what I find fascinating about this. Um, you know, and, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to say that I understand or comprehend, you know, the, the perspective that, that you guys are describing. But as an intelligent, semi-informed individual, you know, I personally have had a lot of, of trouble watching the trajectory of the country over the last several years. And it's just like it was it was going so far in a direction like not that everything was great, obviously, but it, it seemed like we were, you know, slowly trying to move in the direction that we wanted. And then all of a sudden everything turned really hard and started to go backwards. And and I was becoming frustrated because I I, I could see that changes were happening that were were retrograde. I, I don't know how to describe this, but oh, you know what you saw? is America's real reaction to a black man in the White House. That is what you saw. Because if you don't face racism every day, it's very easy to think, oh, it's gone away. But it never went away. Uh, but having to see a black man in the White House really riled up a lot of people because that whole... Uh, the, the United States was built on the notion of white supremacy. When you have the founding fathers writing out our most sacred document that says all men are created equal and eight-tenths of them are slave owners, that the, the, the hypocrisy is, is exposed then and there. Yeah. And the whole yeah. nation is based on this. People don't want to admit the fact that America became such a powerful or the United States, I should say. America is the whole yeah. South and North. Sure. Um, the United States became so powerful and so rich so fast because they took the shortcut of not paying the people who were creating that wealth. Free labor. I don't want to admit that that's what, that, that's how, you know, the benefits are based on the bodies of black and brown and yellow and red people too. Because that's, that's the right. The country oh, yeah. was so from them in the first place on top exactly exactly I, I when, when you were done i was exactly i was going to add to that and say you're exactly correct and everything you said on top of the skulls of tribal people yeah. the cherokee the iroquois the apache the all, all of them you know uh, you I'm, there I'm you go cherokee. oh that's great well you, you know i live right in i'm right in cherokee uh right near cherokee um, in, in Tennessee, North Carolina area. That's where I live, right nice. near the, the, the amazing, and I've only been once to, to Cherokee, North Carolina, and it's it's a heavy, powerful area here. Have you visited here, which no, is ancestral? I, I've always been fascinated by, I mean, I just found out that they did find my grandmother on the Dawes Rolls. Wow. Um, mm. Elizabeth Honeyfeather. Was okay. Her. 
And um, I identified with her. I always have because she was six feet tall. And oddly enough, she had hair down to her calves. Wow. Um, uh, and uh, I I just found this out like a couple of months ago, like six within the last six months that okay. she found her on the Dawes Rolls. So I need to explore because I also not only do I have Cherokee, but I also have Choctaw, uh, Choctaw Blackfoot, Crow, and Cree blood. That's great. Yeah. And so many uh, former slaves. Uh, well, not only did they intermarry with a lot of native uh, sure. indigenous people, but Cherokees actually owned slaves themselves. Yes, I've heard that. Yep. No, that's true. Well, you got to come visit. It's right here. They have a beautiful museum, incredible museum. We were in there for hours and didn't hit it all. And just a beautiful area. And, and, and it is where they say, this is where we began, you know, Cherokee. That's kind of so. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, you, you, look. People ask, well, what can I do? The first thing is changing perspective. And that's all we ask. You know, uh, stop denying what Durga just said. This wasn't by providence of God or by, by someone, a light shone down and America became. No, no. During the Industrial Revolution, when all of these nations were, were, were reaching a whole new level of, of, of um, you know, technology and, and international trade and all that, we had free labor. <laughs> you know, stop it. But, and unless you can really bite down on that and then say, okay, now the question becomes, what do you want to do with that? I'm not going to beat you. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to. I just want you to understand that and stop pretending. And I always tell people it's one of the key differences when we both, I can't, I never speak for my sister Durga, but I know she knows what I'm about to say because she's worked with so many English artists. Uh, but when you, when you're around a lot of English people, what's very interesting, if you say to an English person, Hey, wow, you know, you guys had a thousand years of raping, cutting throats, slaughtering, colonizing, going everywhere around Africa, South America, India. Wow. You guys built your empire on the blood of Brown people. What do you say to that? And every English person I ever spoke to says, yeah, man, that was really horrible. It was terrible. Our ancestors were shit, man. Hey, let's have a pint. Let's move on. You know, they don't get angry and pretend that is not a fact. You know, again, nine out of ten of them, you might be able to find one. But over here, you say that to too many Americans, there's anger, there's defensiveness, there's this whole, you know, so. But, but yeah, that's it. Go, sorry, Durga, go ahead. No, I, and did I, I, okay. no, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. But the English people, they're not as quite as evolved as you'd like to give them credit for. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no. They're not perfect I, at all. No. And I lived in London for many years. Um, yeah. And in fact, case in point, there's a big uh, controversy going on now because a lot of people would like to... Well, um, Winston Churchill's statue was defaced. Good. People are, are horrified because he was such a hero. and No. No, it was a horrible, horrible racist totally. or genocide of some brown and black people. Uh, and he was an alcoholic. So this this, you know, rosy glass look upon him. It's people are like, no, if they're trying to wake up in the United States, we need to do it here. And people Absolutely. are losing it over this. How dare you disface his statue? And he was <laughs> he saved us and blah, blah, blah. He was a big racist, and here's some quotes to prove it. Tons of them. Tons on of 
Japan, yeah, okay, we get World War II, and he gave that one great speech. We will meet him on the beaches. But he was a racist. Yeah. He was a racist. And we're no. sick of people glorifying these people with statues and putting them in places of honor that we got to walk past. All these, like, Confederate statues and everything. That man, for all I know, raped my great-great-grandmother. Yeah. And, and sold her. You want to put him on a pedestal? Yeah. No, I don't want to see somebody revered that thought it was okay to own me. No. Yeah. Look at him in a museum. You see any statues of Hitler or Goebbels in Germany? Wow. Well. No, there's a reason for that. And it is exactly the same to us here in the United States as it is to Jews in Germany. Exactly the same. Absolutely. Here in Philly, we have people that deny that Christopher Columbus was a slave trader. So they're oh, defending sure. the statue of Christopher Columbus. Sure. That, that, that's where it's come to in South Philly. Philly, I'm sure. But but no, but thank you, Durga. And thank you for, for reminding me to, to always be um, uh, uh, surgically accurate on that. And let me say, when I say that about the English, it's just that one little slice, just that one topic where, again, mo most white, might have white Americans, you bring up the past and... There's such anger. There's just denial. I wasn't alive. You know, there's this kind of, and, um, and, and I, exp I extend this too to the other colonial forces. If, when I talk to Dutch people, you talk to German people, um, not so much maybe in Portugal or a little bit more in Spain. It all varies. But, but all of them are at least will look in the eye and say, yes, we are rich because X, Y, Z. There's none of this pretending like, you know, <laughs> that it was bestowed upon them, you know, uh, but you're right. Lots and lots to clean up in all those countries and um, very happy to see it starting to happen. You know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing to see this globally. I mean, I saw a thing the other day about the Maori folks in New Zealand. They're marching for us Americans. They're holding up signs, but they're also saying, you guys killed the Maori last year and it was unfair. You know, we, this has to stop. We need investigations. So this is sparking a whole, you know, a global thing. Oh, there's a huge thing going on in the Netherlands right now with black Pete. Oh yes. Oh, very, every year. Yep. It was a bastardization of the original. I mean, if you look at the original St. Nicholas, mm -hmm. he was a Turkish man with coppery brown skin and he did have a white beard because mm -hmm. many of the clergy at that time did mm -hmm. but he was a brother basically yeah yeah um but of course then the dutch just took it like way farther and turned him put full on blackface with big red lips sure. and as the servant that's chained in chains and you know he gives little coins to the children at christmas and it, it's about and they <laughs> they've gotten quite angry at the backlash because oh, yeah. Our black people that live in the Netherlands and are like, this is really offensive. How do I tell my child about this? Well, we don't see it as racist. We're not racist. Just because you don't see it as racist. Yeah. Because it's, it's decidedly racist. It, that's it. And it's and not your call. <laughs> finally, we're moving. And our friend who uh, is from Suriname was arguing with this Dutch guy. It's not racist. Don't call me racist. I'm not racist. It's just something that all the children enjoy. The black children enjoy it, too. Well, yeah, because they don't want to be left out of the goddamn holiday. Are you kidding? They don't want to be like, they want to play, too. Yeah. And there's a certain self-loathing that is indoctrinated yes. in people of color by those who persist in perpetuating these stereotypes. That the they are 
completely unaware. And my friend who is black, who's from Suriname, who also lived, in, you know, grew up in, in the Netherlands, was saying, you weren't in school what, like me when I was a kid and had little children throwing coins at me and laughing at me and teasing me, saying, black Pete, black Pete. Yep. And white, the white people don't get this. They don't realize this because they yeah. don't face the racism. Sorry. No, it's true. No, please, you're 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 nailing it. You're nailing it. Um, and, and you know when the word when the word microaggressions came along in the last I don't know last quarter century, you started. I thought because I love words, I love language, I love reading, I love words. I thought, wow, now that because that's what it's about. It's the death by a thousand cuts. That's the part that white people don't realize. The 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 little vibe you get in an elevator when you walk in or the little thing, the little tightening up of, of, of a person at a, a clerk of some sort or, or stuff like the police that Durga spoke about the outright walk. I don't know what you're doing in this car. That's why I stopped you. I mean, that bastard was proud to hit those kids with his privilege. Really? We didn't use the word then just like the woman in the central park thing. You know, you have her racism, but on top of her racism is dangling the racism. Remember that video? She said, oh, yeah. she said, um, I mean, it's almost lost in the last three weeks, but she said, I'm going to call and I'm going to say that you are. And it was like, wow. Yeah. That I'm being threatened by a black man in Central Park. Wow. wow. Knowing that that could get him killed. It, it's, you know, so it's the microaggressions. And I really love, um, you know, um, Living Color, who's a very important band to, to any rock fan, really. But but oh, yeah. I happened to be there when those guys started playing in New York City. So I know Vernon over the years. Me too. Uh, he, yeah, that's great. We should we should we should do an album, the three of us. That would be great. But, uh, let's working. let's talk. But uh, but Vernon, um, he's got some great stuff to say about this situation. But when they came out with Funny Vibe, remember that song Funny Vibe mm-hmm. on the first album. And the lyrics are, why you got to give me that funny vibe? The first, the first verse is, no, I'm not going to rob you. No, I'm not going to beat you. No, I'm not going to rape you. I mean, it's just a black man walking in New York was, was that the song is about. No, why are you, why you going to give me that funny vibe? Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to go to my gig. I'm just trying to get some change and get into this uh, subway and go home. Don't give me a funny vibe. And I remember that song just became an anthem because we all live with the funny vibe, the you know, weird vibe. One of the other microaggressions that I find even more prevalent is the dismissal. Mm. When, when a person of color says, this is what I experienced, this is an example of racism in America today, and somebody says, well, that's not, no, you're just overreacting. You're, why, you're being too sensitive. Nobody... Yeah. That's not anything that I, you know, I'm not at, at fault for any of the things that you're angry about. That, you know, I didn't, I never owned slaves. Right. You know, right. We had yeah. a president. You guys should be fine with this now. There's yeah. No, I don't see, I don't see racism. I don't see color. I don't see no. color. Those racist things that somebody. Most racist. Most racist. Dismisses a huge part of my identity and what makes me unique. Yeah. And quite proud of. It's basically yeah. saying, I'm going to give you the status of the default position, which is white. Yeah. That's what it means when you say, I don't see color. Brilliant. No, it is. 
I don't think I never thought of it that way. Well, well how about the notion that, you know, maybe corporate America is racist, but the, the arts community is all inclusive. So <laughs> so what is the perspective of the touring musician? Everything from the venue to the transportation to the uh, oh boy, the airports. Sure. Um, well, I wanted to say that's a great question that we should both attack. Uh, Durga, I wanted to ask you a question, though, on what you just said, which is beautiful. But I want to ask, of course, because you, you're at, um, you have a Venn diagram going on where you're also a woman in America. And, and, uh -huh. and actually, these days, you know, with all respect, I, I, that's an assumption. Some people that appear to be female don't say they're female, but you, you identify as female, right? Yes. Okay. No, just checking because, hey, uh, respect. That's where we are, right? Some some folks that appear to be. So, um, having said that, though, my question is, when you when you when you're talking to progressives and women, it's funny because do they would they ever say that if you said, "Oh my God, uh, this guy, we were I was having coffee and this jerk, sexist guy came and said X Y Z." Do people ever dismiss? That uh, do other women, in other words, ever say? I don't know, Durga. I think you're 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 being. You see what I'm saying? Like, would they ever dare dismiss the view of a woman? Where in a flash they'll dismiss your view from the black person? Of course. Um, yeah. In fact, the fact that you that you felt that you had to ask about uh, my sexual identity. Sure. Uh, that's a. I hate to say this. Yeah. But black women in particular, our sexual identity is questioned quite often simply because, you know, I, you know, in my case, I'm five foot ten. Sure. I have a deep voice. I have a very dense musculature. I've had people asking me, are you a man since wow. I hit so Sure. It's kind of insulting because nothing about me to me says man. Not sure. Me. Sure. Okay. Men aren't men anyway. They're women. Absolutely. But, uh, that's one right there. Okay. Um, but do they dismiss sexism in the music business? No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, so, but other women do other, but, I, but I'm saying, do other women ever question you if you say, oh, if you relate? Yeah. In fact, I, I had a friendship end with a fellow musician who is a lesbian, a white lesbian woman. Okay. Uh, because I, anytime, there was a juxtaposition between a LGBTQ issue and a racist issue. Okay. I always go for the LGBTQ and dismiss completely the racist aspect. Um, there was a man, a, a priest, I mean, not a priest, a preacher, a reverend, a black reverend, who was talking about, uh, I guess it was, uh, yeah, it was Trump. Um, and he was saying, you know, because obviously there are, what is it now, 22 credible accusations of rape or sexual assault against the current president of the United States. Right. And, and this, this reverend said, if one woman accused me of sexually assaulting her, my whole career would be over. Be gone. Yeah. And this is, you know... Typical, I mean, back to going back to Emmett Till and before, this is what happens to black men in the United States if we're accused of sexual assault, especially sure. as a white woman. And she went off on this whole tangent saying, 
He's just saying that because as a black man, he's mad he can't get away with it. And I'm like, that is not what he's saying. Wow. Yeah, she's a little... Wow. Well, well, let me let me unpack for a second. And, and first off, apologize, because that whole, you know, I said that mainly because I'm triggered by now that when I speak, as I, I was trying to say that in air quotes with a little bit of sarcasm, because if someone says, Dirk McBrew, I'm going to say beautiful black woman, woman that, that I know, that I've met, that I've gotten to know. But I said that almost in air quotes because it is a time I feel maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm too paranoid. Where I feel like you can't even say someone's gender that you know they are these days because someone listening might might you know have some kind of spin yeah, to it. So because you asked sorry. me, women dismiss oh, you with with sexist issues. Mm -hmm. Well, that that actually is a racist trope to to even allude to questioning a black woman's sexual identity because we are not seen as the European ideal of beauty, what is supposed to be the epitome of womanhood because yeah. we are, you know, uh, in my case, like I said, I'm very tall, very muscular. Everyone called Michelle Obama a man because, you know, God forbid uh, Barack Obama could be a manly man who you know was giving her some in the Lincoln Ballroom bedroom <laughs> because ain't no president's been having sex with their wives in there for, I don't know, decades, whatever. They are obviously in love. He's very secure in his masculinity. So, of course, the right-wing Republicans made him out to be gay and, and Michelle Obama was a man because she's, you know, she was ugly, sure. she was an ape, and all this other stuff. And anything that takes away from honoring the feminine of black women. And it's a trap that I've run into with other, even black men, not sure. black, but mostly with, with white men, because also a lot of white find women like me very intimidating. I mean, I remember walking to, I was at some, some concert walking up and I thought I was looking cute, my little dress and all that. And somebody walked up and he's like, hi. And he smiled at me and he goes, are you a man? And I was wow. so taken aback. I was like, I pulled my dress down. I said, does this look like I'm a man? And I kept walking. Right. <laughs> you know, one of the earlier questions was about, just at that juncture, was just about our place in, in Prague Rock. And I think one of the things um, that I always want to make sure people find out is, uh, and this happens a lot, working for all this list of people that we, we talked about earlier, whether it's you know, the ELP guys, the UK guys, uh, the yes guys for so many years you have a certain fan base and one of the things that's really really messed up that that i hear is uh and again i never speak for durga but i i would put money she's heard this too people come up and say wow so how did how did you get into yes how how did you how come you're into pink floyd what, what you know there's this even with the zappa thing i do there's this continual thing of you know, wow, how do, how do you know Genesis? And it's like, wow, you know, and, and to me, that's my, I wanted to make sure I said this when I heard the topic of your show, because that would be my top most racist thing that happens over and over with, with white prog fans, because what's packed into it is it's, um, <laughs> there's so much packed into it, but one of the things packed into it is this kind of white provincialism and, 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 and colonialism where white people go and 
study Chinese music and Indian music. Like no one would ever say, John McLaughlin, excuse me, sir, uh, one more question. How did you get into Indian music? <laughs> Stuart, Stuart Copeland, why did you ever get into to African drumming? Why, doesn't it sound sick if you think of it the other way around? Yet we put up with that. I've talked to other black friends who play prog music, fusion music, and that, that's one of the most hurtful ones. That, that, and that goes on to this day. So uh, There's the other one. See, because black women get a little bit of a pass because... Uh, I mean, I started out as an actress, and so I played a lot of hookers and prison inmates because black women in the 1980s, that's pretty much the roles we got. But for everything that counted against me in um, acting was on my side with music because everybody wanted a big black backing vocalist. So mm -hmm. that I get a little bit of a pass there, except for one thing. Everybody just assumes that I came up in the church, and that's where mm -hmm. I started to sing we didn't we went to church for a minute and we went to a protestant church i did not grow up going to the baptist church because my mother made a conscious decision not to bring us up in that and in fact branched out and brought us more into eastern mythologies and i lived in an ashram in india for a while my name is durga hello i'm named yeah. goddess right, right. so people just <laughs> assume, oh yeah you sing gospel right well i can but i grew up my church is Joni mitchell right so James Taylor. <laughs> That's when I started to get into. I remember when the cool girl. You know, there's always like the cool kid in your neighborhood, either a guy or a girl who's a little bit older. And uh, Lori is her name. Her name now is Lori Reamer. I still talk to her. And she and her brother, her little brother, and I were in the same class in school. She was in my sister's class, and so she was 16, and she had a Mustang, and so nobody could tell her anything. And we were playing, little kids playing out in the front yard, la, 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 la. And here she comes up in her convertible Mustang, top down, stereo cranking. And this song came on the radio. Say, hey, mama, say the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Hook in <and> mouth. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. That was it. I was yeah. a hot chick from then on. Then I got into the Stones. And then... Pink Floyd. Yeah. That was an impression for me because this is how I grew up. I grew up listening to folk music and you know all the Laurel Canyon. I'm I'm a block from the mouth of Laurel Canyon. Wow. So if you've seen the the Epics uh, two part series that just came out, I highly recommend it. About I heard about it, yeah. The birth of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and you know the the Doors and you know all that is from where I I grew up around all that. So. You know, and I got into uh, some funk and R&B as well. But I've been a rock chick for as long as I can remember. Day one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 still treated as if, um, you know, it, it's it, wow. What are these strange visitors doing here? Um, well, wait a minute, though. Um, and th that's the height of privilege because where did rock music come from? Thank you. Thank Us. you. Thank you. That, it, thank you thank you again over to to our dear friend vernon reed you know um, one of the things early on late 80s he formed this thing called the black rock coalition the brc and 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 la that was the main premise that was it was it was an attempt to say hey study your history man you know um chuck berry little richard uh ike turner despite his his many problems you know um John Lee Hooker, you know, uh, all, all these people, um, Bessie Smith, you know, uh, Big Mama Thornton, you know, 
hello, <laughs> you know, by the time Pat Boone and Elvis comes along, please, are you serious? No, these are versions of, right. and so on with, with jazz and, 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 you know, Jelly Roll Morton and all these things uh, that um, I, I'm concerned because to this day, you, um, you run into people who are studying music supposedly and these big chunks are left out. You know, um, yeah, the pro the prog thing is funny too. Though the, the the second thing I wanted to make sure I brought up that was funny is you grow up listening to prog music, you fall in love with these great songs, and so many of these songs are talking about uh, um, just beautiful stuff, peace and and understanding others, and and um, there's some deep lyrics on those Yes albums about about acceptance and human beings, and and and, and John Anderson, I, I remember as a young fan before the internet you're looking in magazines and you're like wow john anderson has interracial relationship and children and wow so when he's talking about peace and love and the planet is one and all that stuff the dude is living it i remember you know you find that out and you go okay so so it's a real dissonant thing for me to have grown up just listening to all those words and all this positive stuff and then go into work in this field and really be disappointed um over and over again uh and most prog rock fans wonderful people i've got great friends but you know the disappointments are are, are stark and you kind of go wow is that dude even reading the lyrics from those groups that he's talking about well i mean you got to think about the fact that prog came out was born out of the whole era of the 1960s where you know the whole peace and love and then uh, the whole civil rights movement and all of that. So it was natural in some respects when you compare it, juxtapose it against the rigidity of the 1950s, <laughs> uh, that peace and love and all of that. And, and add to that drugs, mm -hmm. <laughs> lots of drugs. Psychedelia. Acid yeah. Like their faces were melting and they were seeing themselves as, as, you know, as, as, you know, going through the whole, uh, the whole gamut of, of, of phases of evolution mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, you know, and then seeing themselves as turning, you know, more a man into a woman, into a black man, you know, so they could see themselves as each other. So that was kind of cool. But the fact of the matter is that racism still was there. I mean, oh, yep. big difference in terms of shifting the conversation forward a bit, right. but not enough to really change it. I yeah. mean, and fans are fans. I mean, right. You can't, and some of the fans don't even listen to the lyrics. I mean, I'm giving too much credit there, of course. They, 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 they listen to the wall, and, they, and then they're mad that Waters has images of fascism relating to our current president. And you're like, really? Have you read the lyrics of the wall? Have you listened? I had never heard it before, but last, last uh, winter I did a tour in, in Russia with a, a band um, that is a tribute, a Pink Floyd tribute band. And it's the first time I'd ever listened to Waiting for the Worms. Mm. There you go. So racist. Oh my God, that song is so racist. I was offended having to sing it, but you know. Well, there's some, there's definitely some Waters lyrics that that uh, that that call into question, right? Wh wh where he's going with there, and then you go into how much of it is him satire about a fascist saying it, yeah. and but but you're right. Some of them, as a performer, right? Some of those words are um. There's the sticks in the craw. Just it's six in the crawl. There's the there's the first the song about two songs into the album where he lists, and that one's this, and that yeah. one's that, and that you know that's painful too. But but again, he's 
as you yeah, but but no, you raise a great point. That must be tough in front of a a big Russian audience, you know. Um, but but no, there's there's a lot of dissonance there. And my my worst story with that, uh, if I could tell that real quick, it was last summer in uh, with fans. That is last summer. I think it was uh, yeah, last summer Jacksonville, Florida, which is like okay, if you know Florida, you know. All right, get ready. Here we are. So we're it's minutes before the show, and it's last summer with John Lodge and Carl Palmer, and yes, and literally, I'm talking like, you know, seven fifty three. You know, it's show is eight o'clock, and we're all set, and I'm doing my second and third check of everything, and I look out, and there's a guy front row center, and he's got a, a Leonard Skinner shirt with the Rebel flag. Hey. Mm. And I said, what the fuck? You know, so I'm going about my stuff and, you know, it's almost time. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, you know what? Now it's like 755. And I'm thinking, dude, you just got to chill. It's just, and I'm, and my, it's like the, the devil and the angel on your shoulder, you know? And the one is saying, no, man, this fucking guy is going to sit there all night. You're going to have to look at a rebel flag. No, I ain't having it. And I just kind of, and I, I did what she, and then I'm questioning professionalism because I'm there to represent a, a band, a professional band. It's not my place, X, Y, Z. So you have all these things in your head. And then finally I said, no, no. It's just, I lean over. I say, hey, dude, hey, dude. He's thinking he's getting a pick or something. He comes up. I said, hey, man. And literally, it's like 7.57. I talked to my sound guy about this later. We crack up. And he's like, dude, I, I was wondering what you were doing. <laughs> we're about to start. And, and so I said, hey, dude, come here. So he comes up. I said, that shirt, that's racist. That shirt celebrates a war to imprison and kill and sell and rape and murder people like me. That's what that, and you need to go look up the letters of secession. Every one of those letters state white supremacy is why we are fighting this war. That's what that shirt's about. And by the way, dude, go look it up. Leonard Skinner themselves have have said they were never using this symbol again. Have a nice night. And I went, this dude, you should have seen this dude's face. And and the beautiful part of it is, hey, I'm sorry, but I kind of wrecked his show. Beca- because I watched him the whole beginning. And you know what? That's too bad, though, because, you know, he, he, he enjoyed whatever he done, but he'll never forget. Maybe he went and looked this stuff up. So he, I saw him the whole night, like just kind of scowling and saying stuff to his friends. <laughs> Jump to the end of the night. This is the beautiful punchline. Jump to the end of the night. We're packing up. The stage is torn down. Uh, and our band, yes, does a meet and greet. So they're always there for quite a bit after. So I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm finished, actually. And I'm going to showers now. And it, so it's a good 90 minutes after the show. And I'm just going down the hall. And there's Steve. Steve Howe, my boss. And he's, he's, he's going out to have a smoke before the meet and greet. And it, he kind of grins at me. Hey, hey Andre. Uh, I'm, I think he's going to say, see you tomorrow. And he goes, oh, Andre, did you say, sorry for the bad English accent. Anyone really English? He <laughs> said, Andre, <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you say something to a guy with a T-shirt? Some kind of a, he had one of these. And I said, Steve, uh, yeah, I, I did, man. I, I Sorry, I, I couldn't. And, and he goes, he gives me a thumbs up. He goes, good, man. We don't, we don't want that. Yeah, you know, and he just kind of. He just kind of approved and uh, <laughs> went off to have his cigarette. Um, so, so, so Steve, you know, remains very, uh, very much the guy you think he is. Peace and love. Yeah. Ah, one other person 
who does as well, lovely human being, is Steve Hackett. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but um, you know, we met Steve on a couple of cruise to the edges, and I actually uh, met up, met him, and shook his hand on the dock one day, and we were doing an excursion. And he said, yeah, you and your sister are proper singers. And uh, that's when he invited us to sing on something. And he told us when he, he we went to Richmond to his house in, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, he said, yeah, uh, let me tell you about this song. Uh, and he showed us this book called Underground Railroad. I actually have the autographed copy of it that he had been wow. reading. Give it to me. Um, we're supposed to share it, but I have it. <laughs> uh, but he said, book, Underground Railroad. And it was about the Underground Railroad and, you know, Harriet Tubman and, you mm -hmm. know, slaves and, well, Harriet's not in the book, really, but at least I haven't gotten to that part. But, um, and then he went to spots, you know, to stops on the Underground Railroad on in the South. And it impacted him so deeply that he wrote this song called Underground Railroad. And he thought to himself, well, if I record this, I've got to have some real Black American singers on this to bring the depth of their experience to this song. And he realized the only people he wanted to do that were me and my sister. Wow. Uh, we've recorded and it, it came out as a single like just over a year ago and it okay. charted like number four in the British rock chart. Uh, and it's about the underground railroad. And I'm really, what's the, that's uh, incredible. What, what's the name of the song? Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. It's, what's it's the name of the song? Underground railroad. Uh, underground railroad. Okay. So, I got to look for that. I got to look for that. Um, very powerful song. No, that's a great wonderful. story. And yes, every time I've met Steve, which has always been on those cruises, um, what a sweet guy. And, and um, you know, um, and, and, and when you read interviews, you know, and, and, and to that point, you know, of, of being, again, a young black rock fan, hard rock fan, fusion fan, all these types of music I love, um, prog music, I'll never forget getting that, f uh, my first, for me, the Steve Hackett album, um, Please don't touch. That, that's what it's called. And I remember reading the, the um, credits and going, wow, Richie Haven's on this. Mm -hmm. And Chester Thompson's on this. Randy Crawford, what? I have one of her records from my cousin. What the? And you start going, okay, this is because, look, you really didn't see a lot of integrated action on those bands. So, you know, um, oh, okay, there it is. Okay, Underground Railroad. Oh, look for that. That's fantastic. But but Steve again, uh, this is four decades ago. He's already saying, "Hey, let's work with you know people around the world." Um, you know, moving forward, I guess what you know, where do we go? Right? We don't even know when we're going to be working again. So, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, this it, discussion, I mean, this discussion, needs to continue with 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 folks. But um, I think. Going back to something we haven't touched on that much, I, and I got to catch up. Durga said, you know, or, or one of you guys had said you saw some conversations with Durga on Facebook, and th that's what concerns me. Like, like you know, uh, that there's people that are still not even starting at zero. You know, they 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 don't even like the term Black Lives Matter. Like they haven't even. I mean, we're we're four generations now into this term, and I say not generations, but four cycles. And it's been explained a thousand times. It doesn't mean other life doesn't matter. Right, it yeah. doesn't mean, you know, and, and the fact that you have to actually. So, so what, 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 what are your thoughts on that, Durga? How can we communicate 
moving forward. Talking, but the good the good news is is that just you know when our voices are getting tired, other people are are picking up the cry, and they're white voices now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just thinking about this driving down the street the other day. Uh, actually, a couple of times I've been driving and seeing shop windows boarded up to you know save them from being looted and yeah. Almost all of them have Black Lives Matter painted on it, or, or and some even further, like saying you're not alone. Black Lives Matter, we stand with you. I know I can't relate, but I'm, you know, I support you. Stuff like that all over right. the place. You know, right. my cynical side of my mind is saying, they're just saying that so they don't get looted. <laughs> but then part of me thinks, well, some of these have to be sincere. Yes. I have never seen this kind of outpouring of love and support ever in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so the, the key and the, the challenge here is to not let the momentum fade. You know, as yeah. you're saying, you know, it's it's sparking like wildfire all around the globe. Uh, we've reached the tipping point. So, you know, I, now on my threads, usually I was one of the, maybe there's two or three other st diehard stalwart supports that I could count on as wingmen to have my back when I'd be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with these, like, slack-jowled, Slack-jawed, mouth-breathing, knuckle-dragging races, like so unaware. <laughs> but now I've got a whole lot of people backing me up. Good, good. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And, it is. Uh, people are starting to get it. And the thing that's tripping me out, though, is those people that I know are, love me and are really cool people, finding out just how uninformed and unaware they are because they're coming to me asking me, well, uh, what about this? And uh, I never thought about this. And yeah. we're playing this. And I'm like, Are you kidding I mean, me? I want to scream and say, How do you not know right. this already? It's yeah. But then I just got to go because yeah. the system, the way it's set up now, is designed to keep people from confronting this. That's it. Confront yeah. this, then you got to confront everything. It's yes. Kind of like if a parent. As a daughter, okay, say a mom sees her daughter, her daughter's 12. Mm -hmm. She comes walking into the room and a little bandeau top and high heels and booty shorts and full red lip and makeup. And the mom is like, How, what are you, why are you dressed like that? The mom has not been paying attention to the fact that the child has been being groomed by the father or the uncle and has been being abused since she was six years old. Right. So, of course, this is why she's dressing like this now. So if you acknowledge why is your 12-year-old dressing like this now, it's not just about the fact that she's dressing like a prostitute. You then have to look at what caused her to get to this point, which was the fact that you completely ignored the fact, even though you saw the signs, that she was being molested as young as six years old. Mm. That's the state that we're in in this country right now, is people yeah. have to say, well, if this is true and we're finally seeing this, where did this come from? Right. And maybe uh -oh. we can't just glibly, you know, wash away the thought that, oh, well, black people commit more crime anyway. So that's why they Amazing. get police and then just wipe your hands of it. No, yeah. you have to look at the fact that redlining set up yes. communities that were devalued, that we weren't allowed to get loans to buy houses in more affluent communities, which yeah. were ghettos. But still, at back in like right after the war, 
there was a very strong black middle class in this country. Absolutely. Very no. strong ethic, really nice houses, were very well maintained. People had nice cars. You could afford to buy a house, all that. Because there were also, after the war, there were some good factory shops that were available. Yeah. But they were then fast forward to where these um, factories jobs dried up because they moved the jobs overseas. Yep. Which created a vacuum in these communities because a lot of people flocked to these communities to get those good jobs. Once they weren't there, uh, interestingly enough, this coincides also with the rise and the advent of the civil rights movement. That's the same time. Yep. And what happened then? J. Edgar Hoover announced to the country the biggest threat to national security are the Black Panthers. The yeah. Black Panthers came to power and they rose up and created themselves. First of all, a lot of it was to start a, a school lunch program That's for right. children in the community that didn't have enough to eat. That's and right. Black people were standing up and saying, well, you know, the government's not going to take care of us. We've got to take care of ourselves. What's further is these racist cops are coming into our neighborhoods and killing us so we got to, nobody's protecting us. We got to protect ourselves. Get some legal arms. Yeah, we've got Second Amendment rights too, but uh, fastest time concealed carry laws were yep. over. Was Ronald Black, Reagan. Black Panther showed up. Orlando Castile, right? Capital. And Reagan yeah. was like, run for that. No, you need yeah. any guns. And that's the only time that the NRA has not backed somebody's right to concealed carry. Yep. Black people doing it. Yep. So it's sick. Further, let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit deeper. So the Black Panthers terrified white America because they were like, we don't care what you are going to say. We are going to protect ourselves by any means necessary. We're going to take care of us and ours and make sure our communities are safe and well fed. And we are going to use guns to protect ourselves if we need to. So what happens then? Pro Intel Pro. Yeah. Intel Pro was a program started by the FBI to infiltrate and discredit members of the Black Panthers, uh, as well as, so which why a lot of those leaders, when they started speaking too much truth, spitting too much truth for people, that's when uh, they, uh, the FBI and local law enforcement was fed information that had their doors kicked in at four o'clock in the morning. They were shot and murdered in their beds because people weren't going to be allowed to hear the kind of truth they were speaking. Yep. After that, Cointro Pro then started a program to flood the inner cities with heroin. Here we go. You get these people hooked on heroin, you know, on drugs. They're going to be looked at as uh, they're going to be discredited. They're going to be living up to all the stereotypes. They're lazy, shiftless. And then, of course, they're going to start stealing because they got to support their habits. There's crime, yeah. That heroin was supplied by the government. Yep. I'm not making this up. No, no, this is documented. This is documented. Fast forward to the 80s, and they wanted to fast track things because heroin was taking too long, or what? I don't know what the problem was there, but um, Sandinistas uh. had to be funded by the Reagan administration uh, to oh. fund Contras. Yeah, that's right. Only they North. Them. They were funding them with cocaine. Yep. The CIA was buying cocaine and importing it into, guess where? The inner Black city. neighborhoods, right? And all of a sudden, crack was born. Yeah. And With, uh, ten so times, ten times, 
Yeah, absolutely. No, and people 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 keep asking, people keep asking, what should I learn? You should learn this. What Durga just said, this is documented, there's documentaries about this, these are the facts. Um and then with crack, you've got uh um the very uh clear, clear racial line where two grams of crack cocaine versus two grams of powder. Oh, yeah. Ten mandatory times minimums, sense, whatever, you know. So, so people, but but Durga raises a really important point that that I also try to raise to people. Does their image is that it's the ghettos? That's what black people. You're you're either Barack Obama or some ball player or Senator Tim Scott, or you're in the ghetto. There's no imagination that black people had a journey. Just like everyone else here, we had ups, we had downs, but it's very important to go back and look at footage. And I posted a thing the other day about the Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, 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 massacres, mm -hmm. which, which I never thank this sociopath, but thank you to the president for, for, for scheduling his, his, um, his, his clan rally. I mean, his, his, um, his, <laughs> his um, election rally in Tulsa, because it caused it to be talked about, and I'm telling you, millions and millions and millions of people who never heard of it, they got it on the timeline. But but if you look, and and I, say again, sorry, and Judy, oh yeah, yeah, and then and then he moves it, and they expect to get credit. But 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 people, I urge people to go and watch some documentaries on Tulsa, and and of course that show, The Watchmen, is basically mm -hmm. you know starts with that. But if you go watch the mm -hmm. actual That's footage. Well, it is, but what's stunning is when you watch the footage from about 1919, 1920, Tulsa, Oklahoma, that, that's heartbreaking because you see neighborhoods, entire streets of black businesses, black people walking around, uh, one's a milkman, one's clearly a doctor, one's a store owner, this is a woman that's a florist. You have every part of modern Western life Except it's black people, and it's 1920, and it's dissonance because you're going, wait a minute. I was told that it was just Spanky and our gang and Big Lips. This is how big the lie is. As Durga said, we had a middle class. We had doctors and dentists and inventors. The list of black inventors, many people know, but if you don't, go Google black American inventors. You'll see peanut butter and traffic lights and blood transfusion and on and on and on. We were systematically destroyed in a ton of ways, but the heroin and the crack, wow, <laughs> that, that's still. And the redlining, yeah. Yeah, the, the broken pieces are still there. Whenever, whenever black communities gathered together and picked ourselves up and dusted ourselves off and started to amass more wealth, because you got to remember, after, you know, after slavery was abolished, then, you know, there was still a hundred years of Jim Crow laws, but still we, per we persevered and we persisted and we rose up and, you know, it's not like we were strangers to hard work at that point. Mm -hmm. Watch, say black people are lazy. Oh, what? We're just lazy now that we want to get paid for it. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, um, but every time you had a community like, like, you know, you know, the Tulsa community Greenwood, uh, would, um, there are several other communities. There was Rosewood, yes, Florida, yeah. Well, no, in 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 Central Park in New York, there was oh, a yeah. black community that was quite affluent.
But that land was just straight up stolen from those people mm -hmm, to, mm -hmm. to create Central Park. There, mm -hmm. was a, there was a city there within the city of black people. They just took it. Just took it. Didn't any yeah, any time yep. we established ourselves and started to create uh, a, a foundation to create the generational wealth that we had so long been denied, it was taken from us. Yeah. And so people today, you know, that's why I want to smack that bitch. Yeah, I said bitch. Candace Owens in her face. Oh, please, please. See, here's you know. something that you guys need to understand. There is also a long tradition of what we call collaborators. Yep. Uh, an, uh, there's another term for it, house Negro, and there's an even worse term yep. for it. I'm yep. use, I don't use that word. Yep. These were the people that often were, a lot of times they were related to the master by blood because uh, Massa would exercise his rights by going down to the slave cabins and rape the women. And they would get pregnant and have babies, and those babies would be lighter skinned, so they were considered more desirable, and they would be given work in the house. And they would often live in the big house, sometimes in the attic or what have you. They would be given cast off clothes from the master and his family so they would were better dressed. There were the house Negroes and the field Negroes. Yep. The Negroes were the ones that worked out the back breaking work out in the fields. The house Negroes got this idea, and it's the whole that's you know, the whole idea of colorism came into play. That yep. because they were light skinned, they were better and they got more favor from masses. So they looked down on the field Negroes. And they consider themselves part of the family because a lot of times they actually were a part of the family. They were so desperate to curry favor that they were, would even sell out and give up slaves that were planning to run away. Yeah. El Masa because well, they can't do that to us. Like, yeah. like it we personal against yeah. them. Yeah. And sometimes be rewarded with a nice morsel of food or some better clothes and things sure. like that. Sure. So the, the modern day equivalent is Candace Owens. Is that the uh, she? <laughs> she 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 runs dangerously close to that. Yes. Uh, you know. I mean, dangerously close to that. Are you kidding me? Uh, I'm anyone, being I'm being kind. Yeah. Anyone that will justify in the minds of racist whites. Yeah. What they're thinking because <sighs> if a black saying it, well, it must be true. Yeah. And, but here's the here's the thing. It actually hit me the other day. She's actually. Yeah, and I'm going to say it. She's cooning for cash. Yeah. Doing it in such a way that the people that she is giving these messages to don't even realize that she's using them because she used to be a liberal pundit. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. And yeah. It, but it, wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near as lucrative until she started playing started on the cooning, yeah. ideals of these people. And, you know, her books are selling like hotcakes. Oh, I didn't even, you know, I haven't even, she's so repulsive that I haven't even checked out that she has books. <laughs> I, I'll watch a video once in a while just to see what's going on. But oh, I didn't, I didn't oh. know she had books. I didn't know she had yeah. books. She just um, came out and it's, a, it's like flying. Oh, man. I would never, flying. I would never, I'd never make it through. Um, but I did watch one the other day just because it was painful. But I said, someone's got to do this. And it was, it was about the George Floyd stuff. And it's funny because she actually, she says two or three times, some of you say I'm cooning. Some of you say, <laughs> it's like, so she's actually, it's like, yes, um, you're, 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 you're reading the right blogs here. Um, no, well, yeah, she's a long tradition of, of problematic, but I do notice, you know, there's, there's a real push there. It's funny. I spoke about this to a friend today and I kind of listed them. There's, there's her, there's this guy, is his name Rob Hill? I think, he was at the CPAC, black guy, conservative mm -hmm. guy. 
there's a guy named, uh, well, there's Senator Tim Scott, the one black GOP senator, mm-hmm. who did not even get there by being elected in his first time, which, which is, to me, I've always brought that up to right-wing friends. I say, you guys don't even have a black senator. That's how messed up your party is. Um, and Tim Scott got there by appointment. But there's this there's this orbit right now of uh, um, Larry Elders is another guy, and of course there's a few of them uh, previous generation, um, all the way up to to Herman Cain, and of course uh, you know um, Ben Carson. Ben but, Carson. Yeah, but there's an army of um, and and I put them all separate to black conservatives like say Colin Powell or Condoleezza Rice, where. Yeah. You know, there's a different, but there's this new crop that they're putting on. I'm seeing the videos now going viral, and I'm seeing a real pattern of kind of like, well, Larry Elder says this, and he's black, so it must be true. Exactly. You know, That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it's, and, it's, and don't get me started with, with, with rayon and or polyester and cubic zirconia. Diamond oh, diamond, <laughs> diamond and silk? I can't. I just, I know. I can't. I don't know that much. It's funny you say that because I don't know that much about them. I, I just saw, again, a little clip eight, eight, ten months ago. But I just, just Googled them like yesterday because I was, um, again, discussing this. I didn't know they were siblings, first of all. I had no idea. Oh, but oh. it, Yeah, who knew? Who knew? But I looked them up, and I also didn't know they just got kicked off of Fox because they were spreading COVID conspiracies. And yeah. I started thinking, I started thinking, how crazy do you have to be to get kicked that, off Fox? Oh, come on. <laughs> can you, can you be a fly on the wall? Wait a minute now. It's not that they were so crazy. Right. They got kicked off for saying what everybody else was saying. Cause they're black. Well, Hello. yeah, you know, but, 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 but they had to be like, Oh, we, we, we realized once it, the, clap back came so strong you guys are spreading stuff that's going to get people killed they had to make a sacrificial somebody right somebody (laughs) yeah and and i yeah and i don't know i don't know enough about fox to know if they're giving air to 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 covid conspiracy i I don't know i mean i don't they were were until it was like oh we can't okay can't get away with it anymore yeah yeah Yeah, i was was going to say i'm I'm under the impression that uh that hannity and tucker carlson were were spreading lots of covid nonsense around as well and yeah they're still there yeah yeah right right exactly exactly yeah well we 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 can only um track so much time and our editors can only edit it so much so so, so we're gonna (laughs) so so we're gonna we're we're gonna manage this episode but um um yeah i'll I'll give a quick story and then and then we'll take follow-up from both of you i've learned the hard way through the years and and i've been the dumb white guy in the room and uh, I've, I've just just done my best to listen as much as possible. The understanding is a bad thing for me because an understanding is a crutch. It's a static thing. And I, I might learn something and I might understand. And then, oh, it, it, I, I, th- I think I'm empathizing. I, I think I have an understanding. But it, it, this isn't actually... An active process. I need to be listening, and I need and and I, I learned this from a tenor sax player. I, I was I was doing sound for the gospel choir and playing in fusion bands, and 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 I thought I was multicultural. And then when I started writing music, he came over to me and he said, "You know what? You're 
you're, before we had the word cultural appropriation, he was telling me, you know, you're just stealing stuff and you're not even doing it that well. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, through, through, through the years I've done my best to learn when the opportunity is there and, and to listen m- more than I can talk. So I'm really happy to do that with the palaver. I, yeah. I, I would, I would not say, don't, refer to yourself as dumb you're not <laughs> you're just you're just lacking education in certain areas. as my as my late husband put it uh being married to me opened his eyes in such a way he never thought possible because he was raised as he put it culturally naive yeah that's a really good way to put it it's a lot of naivete yeah and it's um I, I'm always looking for what what's the key in the United States. Where did we lose this script? You know, because again, you go back to the '50s, and there was this moment where, where black middle class was growing. All these things are happening, and well, we know, we know Vietnam War, heroin. We we know that there's these big things that happened, but um, the I'm always looking for the moment when Americans stop studying history, stop looking at these facts and figures, stop kind of internalizing. Um, I don't, you know, there was a moment there, but I'm sorry. It's decades. It's been decades. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think Americans ever really studied this history. You don't think? Yeah. Even in the fifth, by the fifties or they've made a concerted effort to ignore this history. Are you well, kidding? yes, yes. No one's ever studied this history. Um, there's always been a thread of people ignoring it. Absolutely. But I, I think the majority there was of people ignore it. Look, the majority. No, I, I'm, Look at how shocked people are now. People but that's this. But that's, this. but that's this living generation. I'm just, um, I'm, 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 and again, I'm not saying in the '60s they knew all of Black history. I'm not saying that. I'm, 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 I'm having trouble articulating it, obviously. But um, in all things, we've kind of gone off the cliff. Maybe that that makes it a little clearer. In other words, Americans know less about science. Know less about, uh, you know. You know any kind of, of of music history. I mean, you have people who just don't even know stuff before Kurt Cobain. So I'm kind of saying not just race, but something has gone on even in my it, lifetime where there's anti-intellectualism. Is yes, what thank you, thank you. That's what I'm searching for, and and it's most damaging when you apply it to this thing. That yes, I hardly agree that we never embraced. There wasn't any period where Americans were like. Hey, it's 1957. Let's study all the racist shit that the daddy did. In the- no, no, I'm not saying that at all. But, but I think, thank you, you've steered me to what I'm really saying is, when did we plunge over this edge where science is the big one for me? Because, I mean, that's affecting us. We literally have more people dying now because people are anti-science. I mean, yeah. like, it's that simple. But then you go right down the line, anti-science, anti-history, anti just learning facts and figures, anti-geography, uh, geography, the amount of Americans that can't find, you know. Well, and, and, and one of the things that drives me absolutely batshit crazy is this sort of prevalence of these flat earthers. Oh. We're in the 21st century for crying out loud. What? Yeah. But, but, but here's, here's the, the, there's, there's the flip side to that because any schmoes like Ken and I can put together a podcast the internet right. gives everyone a voice, True. even the people whose voices are not at all well informed. Yes, I, I, I'd like to ask a question. 
of, of this, given the context of where we are um, right now. Because I think we've seen in, in the last, you know, several weeks, some changes that I don't know that I ever expected to see. The NFL stepped up and, and admitted that they were dead wrong. NASCAR stepped up and said, Confederate flag, no go. Right. These these Confederate mon monuments we're talking about, you know, we've been talking about that forever. They're Years. finally starting to go. Do mm -hmm. do we think that we're making some progress, or do we think you know we're going to take a step forward and two steps back later on? Uh, any ideas? Any thoughts? Well, um, I would say half of it. Okay. Well, you were asking when did the rise of anti intellectualism happen? I'd say it's gone concurrent with the rise of the media's control over our lives. Yeah. Um, because so much of sales is about suppressing people's natural tendency to be intelligent. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Or question when you, that your best customer is someone who doesn't question, who just consumes what you offer them. Yeah. I'm so I'm so glad you said that because I, I my own personal opinion is is this this change that Andre was talking about is driven by American consumerism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the word American has to be in there because they've got all this TV in Canada, in Mexico, in Paraguay, in Argentina, in England, in China. you know, and, yeah. and, and and again, I'm not saying those places are perfect by any, but they've processed this media versus dumbness a lot differently than we have. Yep, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Not really. Well, <laughs> Not it's degrees. It, it, yeah. it's, just, it's just when you have have that seated on top of the, the bedrock of institutional racism that this country was built on, right. it expresses itself a bit more obviously here. Yeah. Um, oh, fair enough. Brexit is essentially a racist movement. Um, that's a big. That's a big part of it. Sure, yeah, there's Brexit. Brexit. Oh that, yes, of course it is. That, that's yeah. a big part of it. Um, it's it, it. That's a lot of moving parts again. And there's there's stuff in there about about just farming uh, regulations and all kinds of you know. There's a hundred things there. But yes, the the way it got voted on and and campaigned by the Tories, absolutely. It it was done in a xenophobic way, and and you know immigrants coming in and all that. But there's a bunch of moving parts there. Um, I think to answer your question too, um, uh, uh, again, uh, something Durga said earlier about how do we continue this momentum? That's the real question. I, I'm, I'm, I'm misquoting you. I, I know that wasn't the exact yeah. phrase, but you, you know, something along those lines. You said, "How do we moving forward? How does this energy keep going? This this protest energy, this energy of, of paying attention." But having said that, um, um, Joe, um, you're exactly right. Uh, I'm 55 years old. I started paying attention around age 14, 15, you know, around 1980 when Ronald Reagan came in. I started understanding stuff. And, and my dad was very political and read The Nation. So I, would, I just had these ideas, these words, these names. Kissinger, I knew how to say that word. Didn't know what it meant. But I started paying attention and not in my entire political life. Have I actually seen results like we're seeing in these last three weeks? And by that, I mean actual mayors saying we are defunding. The, we're not buying tanks anymore for this. We were going to buy two tanks. We we're going to buy all this riot gear. We we're going to buy a, a 
a, a, a shipload of, of tear gas. Instead, we're doing this community outreach program. You're seeing the Confederate statues that we just talked about. That's ongoing. And I live, I'm in North Carolina. Yeah, there, you're right there's there. a, there's a uh, one in, in my town, five miles from here that is, is going to come down. Um, we're seeing governors. We're seeing again, city councils saying we are literally doing our budget for 2021. Right now we are taking a hundred million away from the cops and putting it in education, jobs programs, this, we get it. So, for the first time in my life, because usually something happens, unarmed black man or woman is killed, everyone's up in arms, it's on the news, two days later, you've kind of forgotten, four days later, apologies, and then it's gone. Right. Nothing. No legislation, no nothing, until the next killing, and then we hear the same bullshit. So I'm, I'm actually shocked, and, and I give thanks every day to the coronavirus, because it's, it's completely part of it. Because everyone's at home. And has the time to not only pay attention, watch these videos, watch the movies, but do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Follow up. Talk to their black friends. Read what we're saying. But then read it again the next day. That's unheard of when you're in the usual hamster wheel of American capitalism. You just you watch the news. The next day, you can't remember what the hell it was. So you have college students not in finals and not living in their apartments. They're getting in the streets now because they have time to do it. So thank you, coronavirus, for all of that. Uh, I will add to that. Um, it's unfortunate. I, I actually ache for a lot of those mom and pop businesses that were destroyed in the rioting and the looting. Mm. Um, Target can kiss my ass. Mm. Uh, they'll get a bigger check <laughs> than what they lost. Um, mm. but the thing is... Unfortunately, in this country, because this country was built upon blood and violence, blood and violence is the only thing this country understands. Mm. So the minute we could, you know, black people can be, bodies can be lined up and down the street and people would be like, oh, how awful. Ooh, what time is my manicure? Mm. Start taking people's stuff and burning up their places of business and threatening where they make their money. And they're like, ooh. What should we do? We'll take notes. We right. want to this. You think the NFL really gives a crap about Colin Kaepernick? No. But because the tide of, per, of public opinion is now on our side, they know if they want anybody to watch their stupid games, right. they're going to have to be like, oh, yeah, we was right. We're sorry. They don't care. Are you kidding me? I don't believe that for a second. Now, NASCAR removing the confederate flag that shocked me yeah <laughs> that really shocked me. for one black guy complaining that, that i agree i was like what that, that was that was pretty cool so yeah. we hope yeah but what i'm gonna say you know people might not like to hear it but if people start slipping back into a place of complacency yep. burn it, that yeah. gets people's attention yeah you, go, you know your history you will know that <clears throat> The uh, Civil Rights Movement uh, and the Civil Rights Act was passed, but the Fair Housing Act, Congress was hemming and hawing about it, about making sure that no one could be discriminated against in obtaining housing based on their race Uh, until Martin Luther King was assassinated. Six days of riots. Mm. And the sixth day later, they were like, ooh, we better sign this. Let's sign this. No, you're right. I know I'm right. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm it's sorry, I hate to say it, but when you have systemic racism in place, there is no impetus, there is no reason for the people who are in the position of power to change that power structure. Absolutely. Threaten it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I, and again, let's be clear. I'm not, I'm not necessarily, um, when I list those things, I'm not necessarily attributing the age of enlightenment to, to anyone. I'm, I'm just saying, wow, I'm shocked for the first time someone actually, you know, yeah. are you kidding? So, and yeah, I'm very cynical. I know that, of course, it's, it's because the numbers are actually, you know, uh, finally, they're finally getting, you know, uh, this feedback that they never got before. But um, like you, I'm like saying, okay, let's see how this sustains. Talk to me in three months. Talk to let's, me in, in six, eight, ten months. Yeah. Let's put it this In the Rodney King riots, they, they burned down Compton. Nobody yeah. cared. Yeah, exactly. When you go on Fifth Avenue in New York and you loot Chanel. Uh-oh. Yeah. Chanel of got course. Raped, y'all. Did you of see course. that? Pulled no. the plywood down and looted the entire store. Wow. We need to take that. this seriously. And I'll tell you why. There's a great classic drawing, painting by Keith Haring that uh, commemorated apartheid with the wow. giant black figure with a yoke around its neck, with the giant right. black foot stepping on the little white man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is a deep unconscious fear, I guarantee you, running through the elite in particular of the United States that black people are going to rise up and slaughter them in their beds for the right. history of everything that's been done to us. Revenge. There's yep. a great thing that says, you should be glad all we want is reparations and yep. not retribution. Absolutely. No, it, it's true. And, um, you know, Gil Scott Heron, we haven't even mentioned him, but he's the, one of the other voices here that talked about all this stuff for decades. And, and you know, it's like, People say, well, what should I do? Well, go back and listen to some of what we were trying to tell you. You know, it's just, but, but no, you're right. It's, it's, uh, each one of these things has to be looked at. How genuine are you? How yeah. realistic? Let's talk in three months, six months, and nine months. Um, yeah. Also, there's a funny thing with some of that stuff. I didn't see the Chanel thing. I'll go look for it. I've really been very little doses of media, staying off Facebook, except for a music thing here and there. I just hit a level of fatigue. Trying to deal with these people, these, these open racists where, you know, I'm just unfriending, blocking, and, and just staying off generally. But, um, but I need to check that. But one thing's been puzzling. I watched a, a video, for instance, in Atlanta when they broke into a, uh, one of the supermarkets. I forget the, 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 um, the name of the chain. Um, but I found it peculiar with that and with the Target videos and stuff. And, and now Chanel, I got to wonder, where are the cops? You know, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you kind of go... How much of this are they saying, yeah, let it roll out. We'll get some footage here. We can put it on Fox. We can really show these are animals looting. Meanwhile, you kind of go, wait a minute. How, how is this store in a metropolitan area 45 minutes and the cops didn't come? No. You're there in a minute if Jamal has a dime bag and, and you get a call <laughs> from a, a – Yeah. You know, but of, uh, tell me, of, tell me your thoughts on that. Is that crazy? Am I just being paranoid? No, no. Uh, but a lot of the police forces during those periods of looting were completely overwhelmed. So some yeah, this side yeah. of town, yeah, of yeah, I, I, yeah, and I factored that in when I watched the um, Kroger's. Kroger's the um, the one in, in the south here. I, fa- I did. I factored that in two, three weeks ago when the Kroger's was being looted. 
in this kind of white suburb just outside of Atlanta. And I thought, this is funny because I said the same thing to myself, just trying to be rational about it. But there wasn't anything else going on really right then. And so I was like, okay, there's a lot of cops in Atlanta. What's going on? How is it 45 minutes? Because on the other side, on the conspiratorial side, now you've got 45 minutes of video of people coming in and out, literally shopping. Right. You know, um, then I saw something here in Long Beach. There was a Urban Outfitters, and they had boarded up those windows, but still, looters got in. Mm -hmm. They smashed a window behind one of the boards, and they managed to pull the board open, so a bunch of people were running out with stuff. And here's the cops standing right here. Here comes the looters running all out. Right. And here comes one little tiny white girl standing, blocking the people that were running out. Put herself between these people and the police like, are you going to beat me up on camera just to get to these black people? And they didn't do anything. They let wow. Interesting. They let and I think in some situations, rather, I mean, they snatched up a bunch of people here in Hollywood that were looting a supermarket um, and a drugstore, I saw. But in a lot of cases, I think they realized that the potential for something really major could have jumped off because there was like 20, 30 people running out of this shop. So they're and outnumbered. On swinging and all that. That would have been fodder for days for the media. Saying, right, right. Brutality. This is why they're marching in the first place. And blah, sure, sure. Like, yeah, right. no, I, I, there's a lot of moving parts. And I, I, yes, thank you for that. I've considered all those different angles, but it's very interesting how, um, you know, uh, and then you get into the, the stuff that has been documented, these boogaloos and these, yeah. uh, uh, these um, you know, agent provocateurs that are coming in. We, we now, uh, some of them even either police or aligned with police forces. So you have, a, you have a lot of moving parts. And this is ancient. This goes back to thousands of years ago. You had people who would interlope and, and start, you know, the Reichstag fire would be the most modern big example of, of, of faking stuff. But, um, uh, just, just a question, yeah, because there's so much stuff out there. But I, I'm, it's terrifying. Know. Apparently, these white guys are allowed to make ghost weapons. But if you know that was happening in the black community, that'd be, be shut down real quick. So exactly, um, yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I have friends that uh, are very heavily armed, that are uh, very uh, left wing liberals. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. people think, oh, left wing liberals don't have guns. Huh. Mm -mm. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. they are They, you know, they've been monitoring what's been going on in Seattle, and the friends of mine live up in Portland, and they are prepared to go down there, heavily armed, to put down these white supremacists trying to start stuff. So mm. if civil war breaks out, it won't be black people that start it. Oh, absolutely. It'll yeah, be, no. It'll be it'll be the Boogaloo boys and and the white supremacists versus Antifa. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. People people um, assume there that that um, because of the left political narrative that that we're all anti-gun. Far from it, you know. Um, and protection right now is the name of the game. Yeah, I'm a really good shot. Just oh yeah, okay. No, we'll 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 watch out. <laughs> we know Durger can can protect us if this shit starts popping up. All right. Well, that's pretty powerful. We can we can we can leave that there. Yeah. And we can have you guys both back on for the music part. Um, Andre, you give us an awesome beginning, and uh, thank you. Oh yeah. wow! Thank you, Durga. Um, oh, but one, one 
thing I did want to add, uh, just for people, we have a release date for the McBroom Sisters album. Oh, nice. Uh, and it's July 3rd. So be ready for that. And when you see the name of it, you're going to laugh. But I'm not uh, going to get here. It's can't pretty wait. And what's... Uh, what's what is it? The, what's the website? Is it just McBroomSisters.com or something? Or yeah, is it that? But we're gonna we're okay. we'll, we're gonna have we're also gonna be having uh, an exclusive listening party. Oh, great! Cool. Streaming live that will be a paid event. Um, okay. Just watch. Just keep stay tuned to my Facebook page and the McBroom Sisters page. Okay. We'll have updates there. Okay. Wonderful. I um I can't wait. Yeah, that that's uh. It's so good, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was just listening I mean, to the work that uh, Fernando produced for you, so I know that you've I mean, done. There's a song I wrote with John Karen, you know, who plays with Roger and played with Floyd with me. Yeah, um, he's the glue. Yep. He and I wrote this song, and it it's I almost started crying when I heard. Wow, the song. it's that good. I love it. <laughs> okay, no, well, we'll, we'll be spreading the word on that, and looking forward to that. And and just being productive in your business in in during quarantine is is a gift. It's wonderful because well, so, so many musicians are you know static yeah. right now. Well, that's the thing. Um, David Fowler, who works with the Australian Pink Floyd with my sister, normally is so busy, but because she actually got stuck at his house in London, she's been sheltering in place in London with David. So wow. he's been engineering the album and he's a fantastic engineer. So it's sounding so much better than I ever could have hoped for. It's, it's we're thrilled. So you're going to love it. Well, that's that's great. I, I, I very much look forward to it. Can't wait. Uh, can't wait to hear that. That's going to be something. So uh, obviously we want to thank again, um, Andre and, and Durga, but we want to thank you both for coming on and, and sharing your perspective and, and, you know, Again, I think, you know, we here at The Palaver want to, you know, use our platform such as it is for, you know, affecting whatever positive change we can. And and you're a big part of that. So thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity. A tip of the iceberg. We could, Durga, what do you think? We could do 10 shows like this and kind of, <laughs> or 15? I mean, we're pretty know. slow moving, but maybe we should have you back around election time. Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah. I'd, I'd be down for that. <laughs> I, I'm interested. Yeah, and 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 you know, we talk about keeping the momentum and, and things like that. So, you know, yeah, maybe it's something we we have you guys back on and and check in and see, you know, where things are going at that point, and and if sure. we're still seeing the the signs that we see now, or or if we need to help, you know, propel the narrative. I don't know. I, I mean, what, no, whatever. that's a great that's a great outlook because again, exactly, it's about staying on. Staying on the case. Don't get distracted by just blinking lights and Disney World consumerism. You know, I got too uh, on the 16th. Just yes, was that yesterday? Uh, I had a single come out. Uh, me and Vittorio Discalzi, who's in a big uh, Italian prog band called New Trolls. He oh, and wow. our friend Graziano uh, Regoli wrote a protest song called "American Big Top." And if you are not a fan of Senor Orangeolio, as I call him, you'll love this song. Uh, you can find links to it on my um, Durga McBroom Facebook page, okay. uh, my fan page, and on Bandcamp. It's it, Pink Trolls is since it's you know since I sang with Pink Floyd and he was a new troll, so Pink Trolls is the name of our band project. Okay. The song is called American Big Top. 
So okay. Google Durga McBroom American Big Top, you'll find it. I'll look for it right now. Yeah. Okay. Great. Awesome. Um, and and you know, like you said, Facebook. It's good. That's one good thing about it. Getting yeah. that word out. Yeah. All right, Ken. No, any any thoughts to close this out at this point, or? Thank you, and 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 yeah, we'll definitely have you guys back, and hopefully a little bit more music than politics. But the politics had such a higher priority in the last several weeks. So thank you. Yeah, and and you know, and is is that even the term for it? I think it was. Uh, we're talking about. I mean, yes, it crosses beyond over politics, politics. Yeah, but this this is this is America history look in the mirror time well I, yeah, yeah let 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 me quote i'm gonna go far left here i'm gonna quote uh um glenn ford from the black agenda report and he uses the term co-opaganda so um i want to see something real i don't want to see the co-opaganda the co-opaganda is when we're, we just get through this by the skin of our teeth by a couple of cops kneeling every once in a while yeah. and we just get to see all these you know little gestures no, so, no. so, so, yeah, w w w I want to wrap up this episode saying I, I want to see something real. And yeah. watch 13th by Ava DuVernay. The full length documentary is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. and get a book called White Fragility. Mm -hmm. The must read to really kind of start to grapple with some of the feelings that are coming up for a lot of the people that really haven't confronted these issues before. Absolutely. Yes. No, I, I've got 13th on my wall right now on Facebook ask, telling people, hey, watch this, man. You know, it's, it's a good starting point. And look up a bunch of the stuff you see in the movie and rabbit hole, rabbit hole. St study. This is it. Class is on. Thank you so much. Outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great right. to see you, Durga. <laughs> Great to, meet, great to meet you guys. Great. It was very nice to meet both of you and look forward to talking to you more in the future. We hope you've enjoyed this special episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we certainly look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions on these most important topics that we covered here tonight. You can reach out to us in the usual places. That would be Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at Progpala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You can also email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, soon to be Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcast. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.
Perception has started to turn 